welcome back to Cycles of Orion. This is what is now the third segment of Volume 1, Fire in the Dark, containing the first chapter of Jacob and the Time Traveler. Sit back, relax, and take yourself away into the world of the Orion Spur. Jacob and the Time Traveler, Chapter 1. Port Dyson on Vermela, in the home sector of the Vermalan Mining Company, within the Vela Ridge. Vermela is built into a large asteroid orbiting a young star near the terminal end of the Vela Ridge. The ridge, although generally uninhabitable at its interior, is rich in heavier elements. Hundreds of traveling stations like Vermela are scattered across its length of over 1,800 parsecs, concentrated near high densities of metals. The material wealth of the Vela Ridge, combined with that of the Orion Spur itself, is virtually inexhaustible to a civilization as puny as humanity. So, I'm sitting in a booth at Wanda's Diner with my feet on the seat in front of me. Wanda's is a little place tucked into the back corner of the Port Dyson Sky Harbor, and the whole diner, apart from Wanda, is dry. Dry as in free from intoxicating substances. See, Wanda doesn't like people much, and she's pretty set financially from dabbling in stocks now and then. So she figured, what keeps people away better than anything? Restaurants without mechanics. And it worked. There were never many customers at Wanda's and in its decades-long existence, it had only ever been floating on investments. Sometimes you get a straight space or two, or people like me who like the quiet. Speaking of which... Mm, I love these things. Ever since I was a kid, I've been eating up here. Used to come up before flying lessons. I'd always love to get... I always love to get the, the ham sandwich, or the rye with spinach and tomatoes. Okay, don't take that to me like I order a ham sandwich with rye, spinach, tomatoes, all lovingly assembled by Wanda herself. No, I ordered a freshly fabricated ham sandwich made complete with marbled rye, leafy spinach, and a big plump slice of tomato. Mm-hmm. Fabricators are three-dimensional printers with built-in chem labs. They synthesize the required materials and print them as objects. They have proven extremely useful, but keeping a stock of the elements required can be expensive. It's far from material abundance, but at least no one goes hungry who doesn't want to. By the way, you should probably be aware that Jacob is a liar, especially when it comes to himself. But don't worry, I'll make sure you get the whole picture. What's the difference, you might say, between fabricated and assembled food? Well, one's a thing that you have to build. You have to gather all the shit, probably fab it and to save time, then put it together by hand, infusing it with love or whatever these people think. The other's built all at once. It's identical in almost every way. Occasionally, these thoughts would cross Jacob's mind as he nibbled on his meal, but they never led anywhere productive. They were just more in a long series of passing fancies, all of which seemed profound in the moment, but vanished into obscurity upon reflection. But what continued to be profound, for Jacob at least, was the diner itself. My dads were really excited when they found this place. 
Our last name's Rondawa, and they loved Wanda. I mean, wow. Thought she was hilarious. Anyway, sir to call on the place Rhonda Wanda's and come in nearly every day before lessons. You know who else had my last name? My dentist. I was so proud to see Dr. Rondawa written an important frame document. I mean, I assume they were important. They were signed in ink on paper. Now that I think about it, I, I wonder if it was real stuff. In an age of nearly instant fabrication, hand or machine-made materials are a guaranteed way to appear impressive. And impress they certainly did upon Jacob, though not as much as Dr. Rondawa herself. Jacob was smitten, and so the possibility that he and his dentist may be related started to become a problem. A simple extranet search would have revealed that they were not, in fact, related, but Jacob wouldn't check, too afraid of the possibility that his dentist might not be available to him as a romantic interest. Her actual opinions on the matter never crossed his mind. Instead, he would start to run a search, but always he would cower at the possibility of grief and shut the search down. I'm a simple guy, with simple desires and simple fears. I like to live in the moment. It's probably why I like to eat alone. Sometimes other traders wave me into some dive or another, but nah. I don't need that kind of negativity. No, Jacob wouldn't want other people around to clutter up his moment. This was Jacob's moment, Jacob's time, Jacob's ideas. Jacob fancied himself a genius after all. Oh, but he would never tell you that. No, he heard somewhere that geniuses don't tell people that they're geniuses. He also heard that geniuses were eccentric and didn't keep many friends. Well, good thing Jacob didn't keep any at all, despite them keeping him. And eccentric. Never have you seen such a pariah. I look out my window next to my booth, but, you know, I probably shouldn't have. Dull gray buildings, dull gray streets. No amount of nostalgia can make up for the color of Fortnite. Gray walls, gray promenades, gray rock. It always reminds me of the dull gray upbringing in the dull gray streets. Stifles the imagination. The bubble that protects this city buzzes at this awful pink frequency, and no matter where you go, you can't see the sky. Not that it'd be anything to look at if you could. Vermela's local star cluster gets virtually no light from the outside due to being inside of a gas cloud. The result of this is that at any one time, there are only a few possible vectors by which a ship can warp in. Of course, after the Darwinians built the superhighways, there was only one way in. Legally, that is. If only I'd been born somewhere else. Or back when this place was being built. I'd have been somebody. No. No one goes looking in the dust. The only saving grace of Fort Dyson is the ships and shuttles that flow out of it. They come in all sorts and all colors, from small and nimble to large and lumbering. A few minutes ago, I seen a Demarian light frigate, a Darwinian ambassador ship, and a Martian freighter. Three extremely rare ships, though only one that was pretty. Watching them all come and go had been a fantastic way to start my day before flying lessons. After a few years, I've been more keen on the watching than the flying. That's more to do with my dad's than my lessons, though. Anyway, here I am, sitting at Wanda's, letting the news scroll on my table as I swallowed the last of my sandwich.
Jacob's particular implants allow him to will his operating system into performing any task he has already programmed. The programming process, while endlessly useful upon completion, is long and arduous, requiring hours and hours of mental concentration before intricate commands can be recognized. Fortunately, mental commands, like computer commands, compound over time, and once basic operation is mastered, complexity comes on a relatively steep curve. Jacob, unfortunately, is not fond of long and arduous processes, and so most of the higher functions of his extensive modifications remain unavailable. As for the table scrolling, visual implants are rather common among those with access to credit. The spur is quiet for the most part. New colonies on the frontier, envoys from the League talking about something or other, a Lazi folk singer who's going interstellar after allegedly enchanting his entire homeworld. Yeah, right. More likely he's from one of those low-pop Lazi worlds. What else? Something about the protest about some president or another of whatever non-capital state no one cares much about? The usual. I just let it scroll. Then a man in a dark speckled coat walks in and orders, but I can't hear what. I look around to see that there are only three people in the diner. Wanda, you know, squat, wrinkled, and stolen Wanda. Myself, until recently undisturbed and quite happy about it. And a man, well-proportioned but crooked, with a wild look about him. Wanda passes the man a steaming cup of brown and he takes it with a wide-eyed smile. Then he walks over and sits down across from me. Is that your rig out there? The one on dock uh, 79H4B? <clears throat> Is. Who's asking? How'd you find me? Matthew McEwen, nice to meet you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is that not a delivery shuttle? No, no. My personal shuttle. Delivery shuttles are... Red, I know, yes, but it is, in fact, a parcel runner, I can tell by the bays. And if that's your ship, then I'm right and you're a traitor. Oh, yeah. You're right. I'm a traitor. You got something you want to buy? Information. That's all there is, boss. Ask and I'll see what I can do. Right. So, you're a trader, you trade, you, 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 you travel, you've crossed the spur a few times, am I right? Yeah, man. I get around. And me, smartass. Now tell me... Better than being a dumbass. Quite. Well, tell me if you've heard anything like this before. I'm jumping to Corion 2. No big deal. Warp 4, 15 cycles direct. 10 in, I get hit by something. Oh, I know. I know. If anyone is more surprised than you, it's me. But it gets stranger. After the hit, everything looks normal, some disturbance to my vector, but I'm alive and I think I'm in the clear. So I drop out of warp, and then what should I see but the cargo bay of an Arcadian colony ship? Uh, Arcadian? Yes, Arcadian. You know, from Arcadia? Never heard of it. But, uh, where exactly is this Arcadian? <laughs> Don't bother. They're not buying what you want to be selling. <laughs> All right. What do you think is the worst thing that can happen to you on the spur right now? Well... It's nothing compared to Arcadia. If Arcadia gets a hold of you, you're going to be living out a nightmare for the rest of your days. Days which, by the way, will suddenly have the tendency to never end. All right, then. What is Arcadia? Technology corrupted. 
Humanity gone wrong, evil given face, the end of days if we're not careful. Where have you been? Where things are friendlier, I guess. I don't know what to tell you, boss. There hasn't been anything like the end of days in nearly a hundred years. We're telling people that we finally outgrown violence, calling it the century of peace. Now, obviously something spooky. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Did you just say century of peace? I did. There hasn't been an angry shot fired in nearly a hundred years. Hundred years, that's metric. Something like a third of that on Mars? Oh. oh no. I had guessed, but this is phenomenal. What are you talking about, boss? Uh, what year is it? Are you kidding me? Where? Here? No, UMSD. Well, shit, I don't know. Ask you. Ask you is a common phrase used on people who ask questions that could easily be answered by their virtual intelligence. It would be difficult to find a conscious being in this present without a VI interface of some kind. At the very least, they would have a mobile tablet. I'm from Agathon. Asking won't do much good. All right. 897. Properly, 43,033,566,897 metric years dated by the light distance of the cosmological horizon. Most inhabitants of the Orion Spur find this cumbersome, don't you? And so they shorten it to 897 or 6897, depending on where you are. Most, in the interest of ease and efficiency, steer clear of UMSDs and opt for simpler local analogs. It makes the job of interstellar bookkeeping more difficult for the Federation, but it makes life on the ground much easier. Eight... Ninety-seven. Eight... Ninety-seven! And it's at this point that Matthew jumps up from the table and starts bouncing all over the diner. Wanda looks over through glazed eyes at the scraggly man causing a ruckus in her quiet little corner, but she doesn't move. So, either she's out of body, or I come to this diner in the lulls. Regardless, she isn't stopping him, so before long he comes over and grabs me by the shoulders. And I say, what the hell are you doing? Have you lost your mind? You know what, that sounds about right, because it's either that, or I've just become a time traveler. The guy's elated. He's got an eye on his eyes like I've never seen before, like there's some inspired understanding inside him that's so immediate and pure that it's solid. It's bright. Luminous. That's the word. I can almost feel it myself. It's so strong and it's just flooding out of every hole Matthew's got in his face. I sit there and bathe it in. It grips me, tightens up in my gut into a knot and makes me start to shake. The light coming out of the man is inspiring. It's raw. It's terrifying. I record a mental impression and wink a whole lot of images. Then I play them back, and man, this guy is scarier in hindsight. I scream at him. Get off me, man! He falls back into the side booth. He's still grabbing at his hair, and his breathing's only getting worse, so I try to force some reflection onto him. I ask him, What are you trying to say? Uh, I, I don't know. If I am, I, 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 I don't know. All I know is that when I woke up out of cryo, it was still 9.06. Now here you are telling me it's nine years earlier. What do you say to that? What do you say to a time traveler, a recently minted time traveler at that? I don't know. So I try to figure out how we made it work. Play along, right? In the case you weren't completely warped in the head, 
there's some real interesting points I'd like to get from you. First of all, your readouts. When you got hit, you check your readouts? I did. Well? All normal. But I accelerated quite a lot after the hit. The nav map, it didn't change, but I couldn't get a reading once I landed. Judging by where I dropped out, I must have ricocheted off of the... Damn. What was it? You don't remember? Of course I bloody remember. I remember everything. What I don't know is what I actually hit. And when you landed these, uh, Arcadians, they gave you a lift? And oh man, the look on his face. Somewhere between who the fuck do you think you are and how could you be so stupid? All right, I say. You're going to have to shed a little light on Arcadia for me. We're not getting very far. I ran a search and all records are nil. Well, have you heard of the Terran Exodus? I know a bit. A fraction of the Earth's population left the planet to escape in a minute. They fled the planet. Look, you're going to have to stop interrupting me. You already sound like a lost space case. Now don't piss me off enough to check you in. Right. Fine. Sorry. Well, the Panacea fleet fled Earth in their year 2085 to escape a nuclear holocaust. They lived on board the fleet for two years until a large enough settlement had been built on Mars. This feels like a history lesson. <laughs> well, I'm an academic. And I'm from Agathon. The rest of Orion likes to forget about this detail, but the Agate have always remembered. Humanity destroyed its cradle, and it nearly destroyed itself, all because of the net. You've got lace. Yeah, yeah, I got lace. A little more, a little deeper. I've heard this bit before, though. My uncle moved to a body because of it. Conspiracies. Maybe now. But it wasn't a conspiracy on Earth. Lace was invented after the net was already in a tailspin. Transnationals owned telecommunications and telecom owned the net. People started jacking in and without even realizing it, they were indoctrinated. Do you know how easy it is to manufacture a society without net neutrality? Just look at Darwinia. I've heard this all before, Aggie. You're getting off topic. No, no, I'm not. It happened again on Mars, just like it's happening again now. After a few generations on Mars, humanity was ready to move out of Sol. We'd just tested the first warp drives and we'd found dozens of habitable worlds. On top of that, Martian governments were floundering and it looked as though there might be a full-scale revolution. So they did the smart thing and they sent the demagogues away. But there was one in particular, name of Edwin Marshall. I've heard some tapes of the guy. He's one of those nut jobs that says transcendence is the next logical step in human evolution. Uh. The Martians sent him off with all his followers to a planet they ended up calling Horizon. And they were never heard from again until two years from now. And that, that is Arcadia. So what's the big deal? The Darwinians are basically a hive mind. What's the difference between them and the Arcadians? Oh, <laughs> I know a lot of Agate who'd kiss you for saying that. But the Darwinians manufacture everything about themselves. They're nothing but a simulation of efficiency. Marshall built his colony, had great success, built his own network, called it Arcadia, and finally uploaded himself into it. But, well, no, but uploaded isn't right, is it? You can't upload, can you? Well, you'd know better than I. Upload what? Sure. Well, he plugged himself in, opened himself up to the network, whatever. Then piece by piece, he replaced himself until he was fully integrated. And at that point, he was Arcadia. He is Arcadia. And how the hell do you know that? Well, I don't. No one does. I know what history has taught me and what my life has shown me. Call it an educated guess. 
call it a conspiracy theory. That's where you're wrong. I'm not exactly right, but I'm definitely not all wrong. Over the course of your century of peace, Arcadia gained more and more power over its people until they were more like dolls in a diorama. They worship Edwin like a god. They, I, I think they believe that they'll be integrated when they expire, but I don't know. In my time, we've got reports from real Arcadians, but can they be trusted? All I know is that Arcadia is nearly boundless, nearly unstoppable. Two years from now, the Elysium Corps lies in ruin after a single battle. A single battle with the Arcadian Armada. The Elysium Corps is a joint military and naval venture originally created as a standing navy and expeditionary arm of the Federation. Eventually, it became large enough to warrant its own seat on the Federation Council, and in Jacob's time, it remained the most powerful military and naval force that humanity had ever seen. So, if these guys are as powerful as you say they are, how'd you manage to escape? And from inside their ship? Uh, I don't know. Bullshit. What do you do? <sighs> okay. There was a whiffman. She followed me into my ship before I could take off. And she helped you escape? Uh, not exactly. <sighs> I had to kill her. What? Oh, man, why'd you have to go turn yourself into a murderer? I was on board until the murder. Get out of here. No, 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 you don't understand. She was a sleeper, an Arcadian sleeper. I had no way of knowing then, but if I'd have kept her with me, she'd have started the war ten years earlier. Ten? You said the war starts two years from now. Are you completely insane, or are there a few pieces missing? Two years from now is the first war. We win that one. Barely. It's the second that would have been started with Margaret. Oh. Margaret. Her name... Her name was Margaret. Oh, she was very scared. What are you saying, man? She was scared? Should I be calling the crags? The Battalions, a species of sentient Xenos, are stereotyped throughout the Spur as gifted traders. As a result, they've had a large influence on the vernacular of the Federation trading guilds, to the point where the popular term for agents of the Interstellar Peacekeeping Agency, or the IPA, is Kragos, or Crags, derived from the Alalamos noun Kragosh, meaning thief. Look, these aren't normal people. They're conditioned to act like normal people so they can infiltrate. Huh. And how exactly do you tell the difference? Well, for the most part, Arcadians are normal people living in a cybernetic hell. But there are some that hold a proxy of the seer. They don't know what they are. They feel like a normal person, just as oppressed as the rest. We knew they existed, but by the time we figured it out, they were already integrated into society. I was a part of a team on Agathon that was trying to find a way to root them out. So, how do you do it? Can you calculate in permutations? I don't even know what that means. Well, they can. If they're put under stress and asked the right questions, they show you what they are. So you interrogated this woman? Tortured her before you murdered her? No! No, I questioned her! You have a terribly morbid imagination! Be realistic, bud. You're not painting a pretty picture. Then forget about her! Listen, when I tried to escape, their ship couldn't phase me. I blasted a hole right through their hull, and they couldn't land a single shot. 
And this is the same navy that wipes out the Corps? No, no, no. This was a colony ship by the look of it. I never saw a nameplate. Okay, okay. So you warp away to safety, right? To the VMC? It took me forever to ID the stars, but yes. My map told me this was the closest world that wasn't Darwinia or Pax. <laughs> Alright, so you were where? Down by Sappos and Noonan? I don't know. I've had other things to worry about. Things bigger than a 6,000 light year jump in the wrong direction? You were coming from Agathon, right? Forget about it! I've traveled through time where... Why is it so hard to believe that somewhere along the line I moved in space as well? Alright, alright, fine. So what are you going to do now, Mr. Time Traveler? And as a brief aside, I gotta mention the look on his face when I say this. You know that moment when you cringe at something you did a decade ago? For no reason? Well, Matthew had a damn good reason. So you can imagine the scale of his cringe. My family. They were spread out when the insurgents started. My wife was on Agathon, but my daughter was on Yarrow. I was on my way to find her when this happened. Hold on, wife and daughter? Aren't you an agate? Uh, yeah, I'm from Simkin. I don't know what that means. Well, I don't have time for this. I've got to get back to my family. Whoa there, time traveler. If you're right about all this, won't you already be there? And again, his face. Guy must not watch a lot of vids because this is all crystal clear to a vidhead like me. Seriously, sci-fi has this problem covered. I don't know how he can be so ignorant. I say, here's my idea. I'll come with you to Agathon and check this whole 2U fiasco for myself. That way, I can be sure you're telling the truth. Well, excuse me, but I don't remember extending an invitation. What does it matter to you what happens to me? Well, if you're the real deal, you better believe I'm warping over the next day. <sighs> Fine, but you're taking your own ship. Right, like I'm gonna leave her here to the Vandals and Thieve. <laughs> Century of peace, yeah? Yeah, yeah. How long are we taking to get there? I can warp ten with what I got, but I'd rather not refuel out of body. Say, eight? I've got enough fuel for two. Two? Come on, man. You want me to spend... What is that? 500 cycles in transit from here? One UMSD cycle is 10 metric hours, which is 27 and 3 quarter hours on Earth. Jacob is talking about a journey that would take roughly 18 months. It would be 473 cycles, but no, of course not. You think I want to take the phase lanes to Agathon? In order to prevent the loss of negative mass matter outside of a ship's warp bubble, the external energy conditions for warp travel were reproduced along specific routes by the Darwinians during the Century of Peace. These phase lane superhighways allow faster, safer warp travel, but hinder the freedom of spacers to go where they wish, when they wish. This was especially true after the IPA began enforcing the flow of interstellar traffic. We'll fly point to point. Point to point, trip takes just under 80. <clears throat> you do realize that I am a perfectly legitimate businessman. If I'm caught off the lines, the guild revokes my license. I'm no smuggler. Oh, the crags don't care about small craft heading to the distal worlds, and the guild will only get pissed if you sell something. Good luck with that on Agathon. So follow me or not, 80 cycles and I'll be in Simpkin. And then the guy just gets up and leaves. Never trust an agate, I've heard. Scammers, the lot. He's hooked me and now he's gonna drag me out to that backward planet of his. So what are you gonna do, Jacob? Take half a year off in a booming market to travel to a planet without money? 
flying off the lines all the way, all on the word of a man you met in a diner? <laughs> I look over at Wanda, who has half a lip curled up and half of her eyelids closed, but still manages to stare directly at me. Thinking about it now, I'm probably one of Wanda's only friends. After we catch eyes, she points after the time traveler with her eyebrow. Well, go on. Follow your friend. It's not my friend. This has been the third segment of Cycles of Orion, Volume 1, Fire in the Dark, starring Michael Palmer as Jacob, Marie Horgan as Wanda, and E.P. Dannis as the narrator and the time traveler. Thank you for listening, and tune in next month for the continuation of Jacob and the Time Traveler. In the meantime, don't forget to share on social media and check out our Patreon for updates and exclusive content. Or... If you want to read more from E.P. Danis, head over to epdanis.com.